0: All arrows point to the future of automotive transportation being electric vehicles, a.k.a. EVs. EVs drive powerful economic and environmental benefits to our community. To just name a few, reduce carbon footprint, lower user fuel and maintenance costs, and cleaner air top the list. On this podcast, we are talking about Tucson Electric Power's supportive role around EVs locally and statewide, I'm Gina Murphy-Darling, and this is Down to Earth Tucson. Electric vehicles for today and a road bath from tomorrow. From where I sit, the acceleration of this is actually mind-boggling, so you will want to stay with us to be in the know. But before I introduce our guest, I'm doing something that I haven't done for quite some time, and that's an in-show promotion. I'm very excited that it includes a call to action, and I hope you answer the call. Pima County's Environmental Quality Clean Air Program and their Healthy Air is in Our Hands pledge needs to be signed by you. And here's our why by taking action, what you'll imp- impact. By skipping one trip in your car or taking a no-drive day just once a week, which is certainly easier these days, you can reduce air pollution and greenhouse gases by more than 1,000 pounds a year. And you could win a $100 gift card. That's a nice little incentive. And we all benefit when the air is healthier, especially those with heart or lung conditions or people who are suffering and recovering from COVID-19. So sign the pledge and spread the word. And of course, the link is one click away in the show notes for this podcast. And now on to our very patient guest. Please join me in welcoming Camilla Martins-Bakot. She is the Senior Market Development Representative of Tucson Electric Power, where she plans, develops, and executes initiatives to foster business expansion and relocation in the communities served by TEP and Unisource Energy Services. And I can attest to the fact that what she does requires quite a bit of collaborating with key representatives in state, regional, and and local governments and agencies. There are lots of moving parts, and I know just a little bit about it. So, Camilla, you know this is of great interest to me on many levels, and I'm eager to hear everything you have to say about EVs and infrastructure. I want to see the map to tomorrow.
1: Hi, good morning, Gina. Thank you so much for having me. I Uh, can't wait. It's long overdue. I know. We've, like our paths have crossed many times, but I've never been on your podcast. I'm very honored. Thank you.
0: I'm excited. I was like, this is great. I can ask her everything I want to know. So I think we should start with what does the current landscape look like in terms of EVs? They're coming and they're coming fast or are they, or slow? And then go on to how TEP hopes to, and is,
1: increasing EV adoption. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we've all been hearing for a really long time that EVs are coming. And, you know, this year and the next uh, few years, really, they are here. And I say that because, you know, we've recently seen uh, auto manufacturers make very bold announcements about transitioning their vehicle lineup to electric. You know, you saw GM coming out with their uh, with their um, announcement just last week, yeah. saying that they're going to be all electric by twenty thirty five. That's just around the corner when you think <laughs> it about. It <laughs> blew my mind when I saw that. I was like, what? Yeah. And you know, in VW and BMW and Ford, you know, there are different vehicles coming online every year. And the most exciting part is that it's not just sedans anymore, right? We're going to be seeing the Ford F-150 become electric. And that opens up to a whole different customer segment, the ability to electrify. So I think we're at a tipping point because What is available to people really meets their needs. And so people are going to start making that transition and that transition is going to come really quickly.
0: And it's all about infrastructure, which is part of what you're doing. And then my question is, so I don't want to tell you how many Amazon trucks, how many X trucks, how <laughs> many delivery trucks are in my neighborhood every day? Is there also a focus on some of the what I would call high
1: use commercial vehicles for transition? Absolutely. I mean, Amazon has made a very bold announcement in their efforts to not only electrify their parcel delivery van fleet, but also to do it with green energy. So they they have said, you know, we want our energy to be green from day one because we really want to be carbon neutral from head to toe. And so there is an effort across the board, you know, from sedans to these parcel delivery vans to the technology that's being explored in and around the even the heavy duty trucks, the the semi-trailers, right? And so um, once we start electrifying all those different segments, it's, it's really going to take off. And you're absolutely right. It is about infrastructure and planning for that infrastructure to be in place to meet the demand of our, of our customers, You know, um, particularly in terms of TEP. We really want to be a leader in Southern Arizona's effort to um, electrify because we really believe that it will create a cleaner and more sustainable community. And we really want to do that by working on collaboration, promotion, and education. And we really also want to lead by example. I just want to kind of highlight something that TEP has recently announced, which is that we're going to be transitioning our own fleet to electric vehicles. We're going to start with our um, light-duty vehicles, such as sedans and SUVs, and as uh, trucks become available, we're also going to start transitioning those. But our goal is to have our fleet transitioned um, as available um, by the models in the market by 2035. So that's that really is fast. I mean, all of a sudden, I was looking back for a show guest the other
0: day, and I thought he was probably on about three years ago, and it was 10. So that's what happens in this time warp, warp we're living in. And I, I'd like to get a little bit more granular about you're not trying to be leaders in this field. Let's own it. You are leaders because you're at every table that I'm having conversations with anyone about in terms of getting that infrastructure in place and it's really accelerating. So tell us a little bit more about what you actually do with both the residential and commercial programs related to AVs because you're really... I don't think the effort would be where it's at already in southern Arizona. I know it. I don't I don't have to say I think it without the support of TEP. So so
1: brag a little bit here. Sure, absolutely. you know, Gina, I think um, a lot of the work that we do is driven around empowering our customers to make decisions that are that fit their needs, right We want to assist them in making that step toward a, a greener a greener choice, and we do that through partnerships and collaborations, and i 'll get into those in a bit. But also in developing supportive policies and incentives, creating some awareness and education campaigns, and doing really prudent but forward thinking infrastructure investments. And so... um, If you think about what we've done with our commercial program, right? So we launched this commercial program in May of last year. We did a soft launch in February. And I I remember having this like, oh, no feeling because we did the soft launch. And then a week later, we were all on lockdown. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh, that's right. Yeah, the world changed that day. It, it totally did. And here we thought, okay, well, this program is going to, you know, potentially have a really slow uptake, or maybe we might even have to pause it. But what we saw was just massive pent-up demand. You know, the, the program has a goal of activating 360 ports by the end of 2021, and which, which is a lot. But, you know, if you think about it, I, just the other day I was reviewing um, our current status report and right now we already have over 400 ports in our pipeline we have Nineteen projects that have been approved, and those represent 114 ports. And it's February, and, that, and it's <laughs> February, and it's COVID.
0: It's, <laughs> yeah, that's it's a really bright spot in the whole conversation around what good can happen, and I'm yeah. blown away by what I hear on the street, not literally, <laughs> just on the Zoom street.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And so our commercial program really aims to kind of address two main barriers that we've identified when it comes to uh, transportation electrification. One is the upfront costs. And two is that education piece, right? That technical assistance. Um, sometimes customers, they want to go green or they want to do it for the financial savings but they don't know the ins and outs of what type of charger should I get? Where would be the best place for me to install it? And that's where we come in. We really kind of want to fill in those blanks for our customers, give them trusted information so they can make the right decision for their needs. Um, You know, kind of specifically our program provides um, a per port incentive for um, level two charging and then the DC fast charging. And we, really work with the business community to um, install the EV infrastructure in areas that um, are in areas of need. And our program is designed to provide additional financial incentives for businesses that are located within disadvantaged communities, which I think is
0: amazing. Yeah, I, I, I had a comment on that. And I've been in those conversations. And to me, it's another gold star in this effort.
1: Yeah, I think it was um, a great way to recognize that um, private market will go where the business opportunity makes the most sense. And that sometimes we want to have the infrastructure more um equitably equitably placed throughout our service territory. And so we need to do our part to ensure that um, we can facilitate that process. It
0: really matters and we have to be intentional about it. So I want to ask you to please explain because I know a lot more. I know a little bit to be really dangerous about this program. So I'm very careful about what I say, but I don't think a lot of people even know what a level two charging
1: station is. So could you just tell us what that is? Sure. So a level 2 charging station is um a separate station, right? A level I'll start with a level 1 actually, right? That's a probably level good. 1 Let's
0: start at the beginning.
1: <laughs> yeah. So a level 1 is really just your outlet, right? So you go and you plug your car into your outlet. That is going to take a significant amount of time to charge. Um, you know, it's going to take 12 hours to go from empty to full. A level two uh, charging station delivers power, you know, somewhere between seven and nine KW. And that um, decreases your charging time from say 12 hours to like six to eight hours. And then when you get into the DC fast chargers, those are the really quick ones. Um, You know, there are Tesla superchargers um, that we've seen, but, Beyond the Tesla customer, right, um, those are available to people and those can charge your vehicles, depending on the power level that the DC fast charger is at, somewhere between two to three and a half hours. So we're getting there, right? So we're getting to that um, time parity. We still have quite a bit of ways to go. But the reason why you see charging stations being installed in, say, lifestyle centers is that go plug in your car and go get a coffee at the local coffee shop. Totally, totally.
0: And I just want to comment a little bit because um, Chapman is one of my most wonderful partners, and every year they give me a new car to demo, and I write about it, I blog about it, I do a video about it, I learn about it, and this year, I mean, and don't faint, okay, Camilla? (laughs) I got an Audi SUV e-tron, And that was a happy day in my life. I can tell you that. So I called Neb, who's the, um, he's the vice president in charge of all the operations in Southern Arizona. And I said to him, I know this is going to sound weird, Neb, but it was really smart for you to give me this car because overcoming my fears, overcoming obstacles, planning, you know, we took a 600 mile trip and it's not like putting gas in your car. Right now, it's not. And you have to plan on longer, and you have to know where the charging stations are because the Tesla, you know, I I was told by the man at at, um, Audi, don't go the southern route, which I normally went to New Mexico. You have to go up through Flagstaff because all of the super Walmarts have many charging stations. And for the man and woman on the street like me, I have to get over the mindset of I'm going to run out of electricity because it's real. And if you put on your air conditioner, it uses more juice. And if you put on the heater, it uses more juice. And I, of course, embrace it. But for right now, there's a learning curve. And it's good to tell people that. It's like, it's just not gassing up, which we have done mindlessly since cars were invented.
1: You know, you bring up a really good point, which is that... um, Initial perception that we have around what it means to have an electric vehicle. Right. Um, I've spoken with a lot of people about um, this, and they are the mindset initially is, oh, I have to charge my car every day. When in reality, what ends up happening is that you charge your car maybe once a week. True. Absolutely you know? true. Yeah. I mean, you don't go to the gas station every time you drive somewhere. No. And you you it's always there. You're always you're always charged up instead of filled up. It's it's that's the
0: big, 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 huge plus side. Yeah. Never having to go to a stinky gas station again.
1: That is a plus side. But you do bring up a good point in terms of the planning, right? Right now, yeah, you do have to consider, okay, well, where am I gonna stop? And does yes. this make sense for me? And I think part of solving that issue is, you know, doing exactly what TEP and other utilities are doing, which is installing EV infrastructure in key visible places. And I want to highlight one project that we have underway right now, which is um, we're going to be installing two DC fast chargers. Along Broadway, in front of our uh, building, yay! <laughs> That's I know. Great. And we decided to do that for for a number of reasons. One is there are no DC fast chargers in the downtown area, and we wanted something that was very visible. You know, a lot of times the chargers are in the parking garages, and people just don't see them. Right. And if you don't see it. You automatically assume that it's not available. The EV driver knows that there are charging stations in the garages because their vehicles tell them that there are. Yes, right? yes. But for do. the person for the person driving an uh, internal combustion vehicle, right? They don't they don't have ready access to that information, and so it's important for them to see that the charging stations, right, the gas stations are readily available so that when they're driving down the street, they're like, oh, let me pull in here. Let me walk to some of these downtown businesses while I'm, you know, charging my vehicle. And they are everywhere because one
0: of the things that I wanted to tell you that I appreciate is the um, the ability to find charging stations on your phone. On your, I mean, that has saved my life, and I am barely kidding. I went to Santa Fe, and all of the eight... Um, Electrify America stations were offline and I was ready to panic and I thought just go to your app and Mm -hmm. I found one visible at a BMW and had enough juice to drive there but I I find the technology for all of the companies that are doing this like plugged in and all those they're very helpful and they have 24-hour online tech support which I have used at like 10 o'clock at night that's so great. That's really important and I want people that are listening that have concerns there is support out there and and yeah. it's it's massive.
1: And it's getting better. You know, um I recently noticed that when I was on Google Maps that there was um a little sidebar that said EV station available. You're kidding. <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> I love and, and, that. and I hadn't noticed that and right so even Players like Google Maps, they're like, okay, this is a service. This is something that people are looking for. Just the same way that they're typing in coffee shops, they're typing in, you know, charging stations.
0: Because they know where you are and what you're doing. And that's why, like Hotel Congress, when you talk about places that are convenient, it's a very, very high volume lunch place and Sunday. And for me, I go there for a lot of meetings, or I used to in the before times, and I will again in the after times. And I'm going to look for places where I can charge my car while I'm at a meeting. So it's really strategic to have them near coffee shops and restaurants and certainly hotels. Do you think that travelers in the not too distant future will look for hotels that have charging stations available?
1: I think that, you know, the availability of charging stations is going to start playing into a lot of customer decisions that we don't even consider right now, you know, um, I'll give the example of um, Antigone Books and um, Brooklyn Pizza, right? Perfect they're examples. They're kind of pioneers, right? They're like, here are some charging stations. They have a particular clientele that really values that. Totally. And so they made a business decision to, to put those in because their clients are looking for it. And I think more and more of that is going to occur.
0: I agree and that's a great example and you know me mm-hmm. I love to shout out local businesses I went to Madera Canyon um last week for a mental health afternoon and mm-hmm. coming back stopped right at Brooklyn Pizza because they're doing just um curbside and it's they are, and they were early adopters I mean they were very early in on this game so Kudos to them and Antigone. I talk about them all the time. Support your local bookstore for people that Mm. might not know about Antigone. So here's another surprise for me. In getting the show notes, part of what I love is my journey of lifelong learning as Mrs. Green. So in the show notes, and I'm just going to tell you this because I think it's funny. It said, what has been the role in the statewide TE plan? And I'm preparing yesterday because I want this to be a really powerful show. And I'm like, what the heck is TE plan? So you can be sure what I did, I got it because Mrs. Green is a Google freak. Um, it's the statewide transportation electrification plan, which is a roadmap. And I didn't know anything about it, I admit it, but I do now because I googled on it and I, I read most of the plan. So I would love for you to tell us, Camilla, who knows it all, what is your, what's the roadmap, and what's your role in the statewide TE plan? Now that I'm an expert on TE
1: electrification. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So the Arizona Corporation Commission um, directed the investor-owned utilities to undertake a planning process for a statewide transportation electrification plan. And this plan is we're in the thick of it now, right? We have had kickoff meetings, we've had workshops, we've had industry uh, updates. Uh, But the the final product is going to be something that is going to include an analysis of promising EV opportunities and highlighting um, the cost benefit of uh, electrification opportunities. um, Looking at five vehicle segments specifically. Um, We, Like I said, we had a robust stakeholder engagement process that involved five working groups. And these five working groups worked very hard to identify the barriers and opportunities for different customer segments. And from that, we are going to do a gaps analysis that will then result in an actionable plan for different activities that need to occur um, in order for us to really push EV adoption in the state of Arizona and you know it's been a really eye-opening to me through this T planning process the number of stakeholders that need to work together in order for us to realize the benefits of transportation electrification utilities have a very unique and important role to play but there are so many other groups that need to be involved in order for us to deliver these benefits, the economic and environmental benefits, to all the residents of the state of Arizona.
0: It's massive, and it really is a roadmap. And I, one of my questions is, in terms of who is embracing this, and I don't, I know that you don't have a crystal ball, but I know that when we did research with a, you know, a PhD student from the U of A about who's listening to Mrs Green's World, and how do we increase our impact, therefore our numbers, and it was so clear, it's early adopters, people that believed climate change was real thirty years ago, and that are working on climate realities. It's not even a conversation; it's more now about adaptation, resilience, mitigation. And all things that people that are reading ahead or thinking ahead or planning ahead are on board and those numbers are growing. In terms of electric vehicles, are you able to comment on where do you see the most interest? Is it in the commercial space? Because there is eventually massive cost savings. (laughs) And or is it a combination of, of individuals and the business sector? Because I see both. And I just wanted to know you have a much broader view than I do. So who's interested? Who's coming to the table?
1: You know, you hit it right on. It is both and and others, right? So there are residents, right, that are interested in making individual purchases of electric vehicles. There are businesses that want to put in charging stations for their employees, for their customers. And then there are businesses that have fleets that want to convert their fleets. And then you even have, say, SunTran, our regional transit agency that's looking to electrify their bus fleet. And we're working with them as well to um, assist them with planning, um, technical assistance, reduction of upfront costs through supportive infrastructure. And so you really see that there is a wide spectrum of people that are interested and chomping at the bit to, to make that transition. And different groups have different barriers that we need to assist in helping them to address. And that is why we have developed our five-year strategic EV roadmap. And I don't know how familiar you are with it, but um, we, TEP, did this uh, planning process where we came up with a roadmap that identified 48 initiatives that we needed to undertake in order to increase... EV adoption in our service territory. And it's an ambitious roadmap. We are very busy. Um, (laughs) I was so glad I got you for a half hour. (laughs) We, you know, we're really looking to take the number of electric vehicles in our service territory from where it is now, which is, you know, below 4,000, all the way to hopefully 52,000 by 2030 and that's like 9 years from now. Oh my gosh. This oh <laughs> blows me away. And now I, when
0: I when I hear those things I think, Gina, you'll be 79. And I probably shouldn't always be bringing that up, but I hope I have as much energy and and passion and enthusiasm for this and I've gotten to see a lot of really big dreams come true in our 13 years of doing this. But I just want to point out again, there's so much leadership that comes from TEP. And I sound like I drank the Kool-Aid, but I have the proof. It's true in so many areas with your ECOS team and, and training what I call a lot of the C-suite employees and not just them, but everybody on sustainability and all of these initiatives and incentives. And um, another comment from having own, now I have this vehicle, the um, the Audi e-tron SUV, which I might add, I do not own, um, is when we stopped, we we had a scary moment. We really did. We were out in the boonies looking for a rare bird. There you go, a little (laughs) about Mrs. Green. And we were coming back and we got um, back onto the interstate at Picacho Peak. And we started going 65 miles an hour. So our amount of charge left dropped dramatically because we were going really, really slow. And we went to the, um, that Twin Peaks mall. A lot of people in Tucson will know that it's between Tucson and Phoenix, and it's right off the interstate. And I had honestly never been there. And they had eight charging stations at least. And what surprised me was the traffic of number of people coming in mm-hmm. to get their vehicles charged. It was mind-blowing. And unfortunately, you know, they were offline. And um, we found another one through my app, but it's the infrastructure is already there if you have one. It's like you don't have to wait five years to get one to me. there were when I looked in Casa Grande, you know along the interstates, I'm assuming there will be quite a bit of installation of charging stations because of the amount of people that are traveling on i ten absolutely,
1: you know, um there are some great initiatives by PAG, in working with PAG and MAG, they just finished their um, alternate fuel corridor planning uh, exercise that identified the places along I-10 that needed DC fast chargers in order to ensure that there is um, adequate charging throughout the state of Arizona through along I-10 and so there are a number of efforts out there to ensure that people aren't faced with that oh oh moment right yeah
0: it's yeah. scary it's really scary and and you don't have to be scared we have a, an expression in our family say don't be scared you don't have to be scared because my husband and I were alone so we didn't have our techno wizard children with us and i said i'm just going to look on another app so i looked on plugged in and it was not it did not disappoint so if one you know, and, and, and these charging stations, they're working through their own glitches and mm-hmm. quickly and quickly. So, I, I want to say that. So, I knew this was going to happen. I don't know if you did, that the time would fly and it did and I learned a lot more and you answered some of my crystal ball questions So my last question is, is there anything that you would like to share with us that didn't pop into my mind or that I didn't have notes about that I wanted to know and that you wanted to share?
1: You know, Gina, I think one thing that I just kind of want to end on is the importance of not just being a leader in, of TP being a leader in Southern Arizona's efforts to um, electrify, but also being a leader in the provider of green energy that powers that infrastructure yes
0: yes yes. i want to ring the bell and i don't have my bell anymore
1: (laughs) right i know you're familiar with our um, irp process and where we're going for the future right we want to make sure that the energy that we're delivering to our customers is green we have um you know a huge wind project coming online later this year. We have um, solar fields coming online as we speak. We want to make sure that when our customers plug in, that it's not just the tailpipe emissions that they're that they're reducing, but also the generation. What's powering them. Yes. And I have
0: a lot of um, teasing around with Francisco Castro, who's in charge of the Renewable Energy Program. And when we travel to New Mexico, which is where we have family, I can attest to the fact that you're building wind farms because we haven't taken a trip in forever that we don't see pieces of them being transported along <laughs> I-40 to go to New Mexico for these big wind farms, and and it's absolutely factual that you have set these metrics for accomplishing this, this, and this, or the timelines, and you're you keep accelerating them, and that's yeah. that's easy easy to track. So it's it's a it's a wonderful thing to share that word and. Oh my gosh, do I love my Audi? It's like a spaceship. And I almost hit somebody the other day. I was going very slowly and he was on the sidewalk and he stepped down in the sidewalk, not in a crosswalk, and he looked and I knew him. And he said, I didn't hear your car. And I said, that's because my car doesn't make any noise. When I pull it in the garage, it starts making music so that people know if it gets close to something. So... It's just wonderful to have one. And I had a hybrid before and it's just magic. You plug it in and go to sleep and you have, I I say, and the tank is full. So thanks for all you do. Thanks for spending the time with me and for... Oh, it's been so fun. It it, it really has been fun. It's been a pleasure and uh, always my hat's off to... TEP for the good things they're doing for our community and our planet. And I have said to people frequently, where would we be without them? And and here, here's one thing else, Camilla, I have to bring it up. Seriously, the Sabino Crawler? Talk about a Herculean effort of everybody to the table. And for people that listen to my Down to earth from around the country, Sabino Canyon to me is my favorite place in Tucson to hike, bar none. And they had these horrible oh my God, they stunk. It was a diesel, um, you know, uh, I call it the Sabino crawler now, but these, you you could drive in and drive out, take the tram. And that was a really big effort that would not have happened without TEP. I had Jim DeGroote on for a a moment about the Green, the Go Green Awards. Mm -hmm. And he said, it wouldn't happen. And he's from PAG, which is Pima Association of Governments, their regional planning authority. And they help bring all these partners to the table and make things happen regionally and statewide. So I, I any chance I
1: get to talk about the Sabino crawler makes me light up. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I think we are so proud to have been part of that project, right? Because it really does embody a lot of it the does. ethics it does. behind <laughs> the work that we do as a utility, right? We want to make we want to improve the quality of life of our of the community that we serve and part of that is allowing them to enjoy this beautiful scenery without the noise of the diesel tram or oh, the smell. smell it was awful you know, In one of the most pristine
0: places in our community. I mean, anybody that comes to visit me that's an outdoors person, I say, start with Sabino Canyon. There's easy hikes. There's hard hikes. I I tell them to avoid Blackett's Ridge at all costs because (laughs) that's like if I die and go to hell, I'm going to have to do Blackett's Ridge every day. But anyway, and I'm still bitter and holding it against Dave Hutchins because I did not get invited to the grand opening. And I'm kidding. I teased him so much. I went, oh, I guess you lost my invitation to that party. And um, I'm sure if there's another one, I am going to be there. And of course, he's well on his way to ruling the um, the world in his new position. And I'm just so proud of him and what he's doing. Happy that Susan is there. So yeah. this was great. I think you and I could stay on till like 10, 10, tomorrow?
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, I would like to continue this conversation in all honesty. And, you know, you said earlier about like in 10 years, you're going to be 79. Well, we need to check in. And so that, you know, we can talk about the different initiatives that we have started up, where we are with our electrification efforts, because it, it really is something that, you know, takes an entire community to do. And we are just one of the many players. And we really appreciate you and all the efforts and all the dots that you connect so that um, people can really enjoy the benefits of a greener world.
0: And to just love it. And I just don't feel like I'm slowing down at all. And it's things like this. I mean, two people in the past week have asked me in very grave moods and very dark, I could feel their energy. And they said, I've never wanted to ask you this, but is there hope for the planet? (laughs) Seriously, two people. And I said, I can't live without hope. We're in a lot of trouble, but all I see is hope. And if we get vehicles electrified and we reduce our CO2 emissions and figure out how to draw down some carbon, we're going to make it. We are resilient. So things like this give me a lot of hope and inspire me and keep me young. I only feel like 50. (laughs) That's great. I know, I know. Well, you're great. And I'm glad we got to spend this time together and just share some more good green word about what's happening for our community and the planet. And everyone, my last thanks is always to you, our listeners, because without you, there would be no us. So Camilla, keep doing the good work and I'm sure our paths will cross more and more.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. We'll see you next time. Indeed.